praise the lord hallelujah let us thank the lord for this time father we thank you lord for this evening which you have given us lord to come to your presence to worship you to praise you to exalt you and to learn at your feet and lord to cry out our heart unto you lord lord we give you all glory honor and praise lord for every child whom you have brought here and lord for those who could not be here lord let your grace and presence be with them lord and guard their hearts and minds in jesus name we pray Amen. kindly be seated is there any testimonies to glorify the lord if there are any testimonies please come and testify to the lord So Lord, Psalm 18, verse 1 to 3. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I stand to testify of God's healing in my life and uh, the uh, deliverance he gave me. The background is, I used to have uh, throat infections very often, right from my childhood. And whenever there used to be a change of season or whenever there used to be a dusty atmosphere, I was very sensitive. So every year, at least once or twice, I would be through a course of antibiotics to treat it. And it so happened that it got worse. From once or twice a year, it went to thrice a year, or four times a year. And then as it progressed i used to get it like every two months and it became so worse in the beginning of 2014 that i i was practically every month taking a course of antibiotics it got so worse that i was really upset with this one is to take the go through the whole process of taking the antibiotics second is i also being in the medical college i know there is something called antibiotic resistance so as you keep taking more and more antibiotics is not good for you so that was also worrying me last june in 2014 well uh, god uh, led me through some uh, steps of obedience and then one night as i was sleeping i felt a release in my throat i just got up and i thank god for that and that was it and when i woke up after that i began to see some changes you know positive changes in my physical status and it so happened that after that i was checking 1 2 3 4 5 months 6 months i didn't get any throat infections so december till december i checked no throat infection january also i checked no throat infection feb also no throat infection then march there was a severe dust storm now in this kind of dust storms definitely i would get previously so this time uh, when it's the dust storm subsided i i developed a little bit of cough so i was thinking did i get it or not so i just went to the doctor to check 
The doctor looked at me and uh, checked and she said, no, you don't have any throat infection, you're fine. But still I wasn't convinced. So a week later I went again to another doctor who did all the thorough checkups. And he said, absolutely, I have no throat infection. So I give all the glory to God for his deliverance and for his mercy. Truly, as we sang, he is merciful God. When we don't know what to do, he comes to our rescue. So I give thanks and praise to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, brother. Let us thank the Lord for this testimony the Lord has given. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gifts of healing which you have given to our brother, Lord. It is by your mercy and by your kindness, Lord, that healing has been given to my brother. We thank you and we praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14 to 16 I read. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us pray for a while and we will continue. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word which you have given us, Lord. Lord, even as we continue the next two hours, Lord, give us grace to understand your heart and your mind and your purpose, Lord, for our lives. Lord, you are a great high priest who went to the heavens, Lord, and who sat down at the right hand of the Father interceding for each one of us. Lord, what manner of love you have shown to each one of us. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. So let me start with a small illustration to set the perspective for our study tonight. So if you allow me, I'll just go back to the stage. You, have, you see a design here in which there is a cross and there are a lot of bricks here. If I stand here and if I look at this brick alone, I can see the brick, but I don't know what part this brick plays in this whole design. But when I move back and see from the place where you are standing, you are sitting, if you see that same brick now, where it is in the whole design of that wall, the Lord wants us to see and understand His scriptures in that perspective. When we go to the each scripture and we study the only that scripture, we will not understand the eternal purpose of the Lord for which He has given the scripture to us. But when we move back and see His eternal purpose for every scripture, when we see Christ at the center of every verse and every scripture in the word of God, and all the scriptures have their place which glorify Christ Jesus our Lord. 
we will come to know as we go through our study. So chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. So even as we study chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, the author, who is the Holy Spirit God, because no one knows who has written the Hebrews, has given a perspective regarding a great high priest. Starting from chapter 1 to chapter 4, the Holy Spirit God has exalted Christ as superior to angels, superior to prophets, superior to Moses, superior to Joshua. And now coming to the chapter 4 and chapter 5 especially, now in the nation of Israel, in the law, the highest privilege was given to the priesthood. So now the Holy Spirit God addresses the priesthood of the nation of Israel. And then he gives the contrast how Christ is superior to the very great priesthood which they consider as very high in their law. Chapter 5 verse 1 Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. Here, it is being mentioned about the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood wherein Aaron was not, has not become the priest on his own but rather he was chosen by God. And every priest in the law must be chosen by God. If you go to Exodus Chapter 23. Let us turn our Bibles to Exodus. Chapter 28, verse 1. When the Lord has given the law to Moses, the Lord has ordained the priesthood to Aaron and his descendants. Verse 1 says, Have Aaron your brother brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eliezer and Ithamar, so they may serve me as priests. So this is what the Lord has ordained in the law. In chapter 29 in Exodus, verse 1 says, this is what you ought to do to consecrate them, so they may serve me as priests. Come to chapter, verse 8 of the same chapter, verse 9. Bring his sons, dress them in tunics and put headbands on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. So the priesthood which the Lord has ordained among the nation of Israel is... Only to a specific family, which is Aaron's family, that is the high priesthood. And all the Levites ought to support Aaron to do the supporting activities in the tabernacle. So this is what the Holy Spirit, God is reminding the nation of Israel in the book of Hebrews. Let us come back to Hebrews chapter 5. Because the nation of Israel is aware, fully aware of the law and the priesthood the Lord has ordained among them, now the Holy Spirit God is saying to the nation of Israel, in every high priest is selected from among men. First of all, the qualification of a priest is that he needs to be a 
man. He cannot be an angel. An angel cannot be a bridge builder between a man and God. The reason being, if an angel comes, an angel does not know the weaknesses of the man for which he is building the bridge. So here the Lord is saying, that's the reason I have selected a man from among you, so that he knows your weaknesses, so that when he builds a bridge between man and God, he can sympathize with the person for whom he is bringing the offerings. The word priest means bridge builder. The prophets, the kings, the judges are all to bring the rule of God to men, whereas the priest is the one who brings men to God. That is how the Lord has ordained the law when he gave it to Moses in his covenant. Now you see, every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to the weakness. That's why the Lord is saying the qualification for a priest is to be, first he needs to be a man. And also he needs to be chosen by God. It is not by his own that anyone cannot come and say, I will just become a priest and then I will give an offering to the Lord. The Lord is saying it has to be Aaronic descendants that he needs to be the high priest and it has to be the Levites that needs to be the supporting priests who are to offer the gifts and sacrifices to the Lord in the tabernacle. Verse 3, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, because he himself is having the weakness, as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. No one can come and say to Moses or the elders of the Israelites saying that I want to be a priest. It is not possible because the Lord has ordained a law saying that Levites and Aaron's descendants must be the priests. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So, Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, when Christ Jesus came down to this earth, he did not say, I am going to become a high priest, and he did not come down. But he came because the Father has ordained him as a high priest. Verse 5, so Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the Lord chose Christ Jesus to be his high priest in the later days, and then he prophesied through his prophets, saying that, you are my son, today I have become your father. And also he said, you, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. But if you see the law, the order has to be from whom? It has to be from Aaron. Aaron was the chosen one and his descendants was the priest and were the priest all through the years of the history of the nation of Israel. But here the Lord is saying, now I am going to send a priest who is not from the order of Aaron, but he is a priest from the order of a, another person who is the order of Melchizedek. So during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. 
and he was heard because of his reverent submission. If you see verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, Holy Spirit God is saying that Christ is existing eternity past to eternity future. And then he is specifically mentioning during the days of Jesus Christ's life on earth. That specific period when he became a man, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Here, when the Holy Spirit God is saying that the Lord offered prayers in loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, he is not saying that Jesus is asking the Father to stop him from going to the death. But Jesus is asking the Father to save him out of the death. Which means, he is willingly going to the death, and then, from the death, it is the Father who will raise Jesus. And he was heard. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Though he was a son seated in the heavenlies, he chose to become a man, and he learned obedience through the same suffering which you and me undergoes each day and every day. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Second time, Holy Spirit God is mentioning that now this Jesus Christ who learned obedience to the suffering and was heard because of his reverent submission and now he became our, the source of our eternal salvation because he was now made perfect. He went to the heavenlies and he was designated by God to be a high priest for everyone not in the order of Aaron but in the order of another one who is Melchizedek. So this is the qualification in this chapter 5. The Holy Spirit God is talking that the Christ Jesus whom we are introducing to you in the gospel is a person not the one who claimed himself to be the priest, but God ordained him as a high priest. Because the Jews esteem the law very high and then if someone says to them and says, somebody other than Aaron's descendants are going to be high priest, they would never agree. The reason being, they are aware of the law and that law was given by God himself. So for you and me, in the new covenant, when Christ Jesus was introduced to us, we never knew the law and we never participated in the law. So it will be difficult for you and me to understand the context here. Why Holy Spirit God is so emphasizing about Christ Jesus in contrast with Aaron and that he was ordained by God. There is no necessity to tell about God himself. He can say, I am the Lord, I will become a high priest for you. But it is the Lord who gave the law first to the nation of Israel and all through these years, thousands of years, thousands of years, they were following the law. Eighty-three high priests were there until from Aaron until the time of Christ. And they never were from any other tribe. 
And suddenly, when somebody says, here is Christ Jesus, a high priest for you, they were in a dilemma. They were unable to reconcile with their law. That's why this letter was written to the Hebrews who are scattered among the nation of Israel, who heard the gospel, but were reluctant to come to the Lord, but were reluctant to come in total faith. They were hanging between the old covenant and the new covenant. They were able to understand about the Lord, but again they were going back to the customs of the law, and they are following the law and the priesthood and everything. That's why Holy Spirit God is inviting them. Now, this Christ Jesus who has entered the heavenlies is none other than but a high priest chosen by the very God. And God has changed the law and changed the priesthood. And he is explaining them in a systematic way, in a sequential way, with confirmation of confirmation in the book of Hebrews. Let us turn our Bibles to chapter 6, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. So continuing on what the Holy Spirit God has said to the Hebrews, saying that Christ Jesus was qualified by God when, the God when God prophesied about him in the Old Covenant and he will be the from the order of Melchizedek. So now, Holy Spirit God is bringing another scriptures from the past to confirm that one. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. We know when Abraham was tested by the Lord to give his son as a sacrifice, and when he did that one, the Lord spoke to Abraham saying that because you have done this through faith, now I am going to give you a promise that you will receive descendants. But that is not all. When the Lord said that Abraham is going to receive descendants, that's not all. That's not period. There is something else what the Lord is speaking to Abraham. Let us turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22 verse 17. Genesis chapter 22, I read from verse 15, the context which we were referring to. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven the second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, comma, here comes the key verse, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And that was the purpose of the Lord for which he gave the promise to Abraham, for which he chose Abraham, and Abraham was still a pagan idol worshipper, the Lord chose him. But because Abraham obeyed the Lord in faith, now the promises were being given to Abraham. But that promises, where the Lord is saying, I am going to give many descendants to you, is not just for Abraham to have some 
many descendants on this earth, but because the Lord has cut out a channel through Abraham, in the race of human, that through the channel he wants to bring his son Jesus Christ upon this earth. Let us come back to Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. Now we will understand the scripture more clearly. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. When any man swears on this earth, he has to swear by somebody greater than him. Somebody whom he loves most. So that the hearer will say, okay, this ends the matter. Now you are swearing by somebody greater than you. No argument, I will agree with you. But Lord, when he swore, there is none greater than him. That's why the Lord said, I swear by myself. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. So here what the Lord is saying is, the promise which I have given to Abraham is not just for Abraham, but to the descendants of Abraham who are going to receive these promises. The heirs of what was promised. Once again I read verse 17. Listen carefully this one. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his promise very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. What the Lord is saying, my promise is sufficient for you. If I say something, that's it. Because it is the Lord whom I am speaking to you. But what the Lord is saying is, here I am not speaking about just a normal promise. I am speaking about a great promise about my own son Jesus Christ. That's why I will not just give you one promise and leave it. I am going to confirm it by a oath, which is a double confirmation. Which means, he is telling, I am swearing that I am going to give you this promise. Which means, there is no argument that said, when I said Period. My son will come and then he will be the blessing for many nations. So it is because there is a Christ in that promise, there is a oath. If it is a promise, the normal promise, the Lord is saying, I would not need to confirm, but wherever my son is there, attached to that promise, I am going to confirm it with an oath. I swear by myself that I am going to give this promise to you. Verse 18, God did this so that by two immutable things, not just one. If it is just a promise, it is only one. But now here the Lord is saying by two unchangeable, ageless promises, which means they will never be able to be altered. They can never be altered. Unchangeable, immutable, two things. One, my promise 
Abraham, you are going to receive many descendants and through your offspring, many nations will be blessed. Not only just I'm saying this, but I'm confirming, I swear by myself, I'm going to do this. This is what the Lord is saying by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. So this oath, the Lord did not give only for Abraham. What the Lord is saying is, after many generations, the men who come to, through faith into this covenant of Abraham will be encouraged because I have sworn it on that day when I gave the promise to Abraham. So you and me can be rest assured because the Lord not only promised, He confirmed it by a oath. That is what the verse is saying. You and me can rest Assured, we who have fled to take that hope, all who are in this world in the miry place, we ran away from that one and took hold of the hope. The hope in us, who is that? Christ in us, who is the hope of glory. So he is talking about the very Jesus Christ here. Verse 18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. It is for your and my encouragement that oath was given. Not just for Abraham. It is for the heirs of salvation, heirs of that promised Messiah, that oath was given. That is what Holy Spirit God is saying to the Jews now. Your forefather received this promise and this oath, not for himself, but for you. To understand that God has promised a Messiah for you. Here he is. He is offering and inviting them to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Hebrews. Verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. So this hope, Christ Jesus, is not the one who just takes us and leaves us anywhere. He is the one who takes us to the heavenlies and makes us sit in the heavenlies. He anchors us. The author uses the word anchor because we know uh, what an anchor does to a ship. When a ship downs the anchor, the ship will not move anywhere. It will be firm and secure. That is the analogy the, the Holy Spirit God is using that Christ Jesus has taken us and has anchored us in the heavenlies. Wherein he also entered even before us, our forerunner. Let us see the verse. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. This hope enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where even Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Third time, in two chapters, Holy Spirit God is referring to Jesus Christ's priesthood as in the order of Melchizedek, but not of Aaron. And he explains that it has, it has come through a promise and an oath. It just did not come on its way just like that. God has promised and he has double confirmed it with his oath that he is going to send a Messiah who is going to be from the order of Melchizedek. And here he explains why and how Christ Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek and not from the order of Aaron and why he is 
to be from the order of Melchizedek and not from the order of Aaron. So for this, for us to understand this, we need to go back to Genesis and see the account where this Melchizedek was introduced in the book of Genesis. Let us go back to Genesis chapter 14. Verse 17 onwards we will read. But before that, what happened before that one was when Abraham and Lot were separated and they both took their lands and got settled down, at that time, Lot chose Sodom to, for his portion and he was living in the land of Sodom. So at that time, there were many kings ruling the small, small areas in the nation of Israel at that time. And one of the king who is called Shadar who was the king of Elam in the north, has got together with four of the, some of the kings which are in the north and they all four were together and they fought with the five southern kings in which the king of Sodom was one of the kings. So wherein these four kings went and fought with the five kings and he defeated them utterly. He plundered all these five nations and took captive all the people and the belongings. Wherein Lot who is the nephew of Abraham was also carried away as a captive to the Elamite king Chedorlaomer. This information was given to Abraham by one of the persons who escaped. And Abraham immediately trained some of his men and he went and defeated the Chedorlaomer who is the king of the Elam. And then he brought back all the plunders and the captives and his nephew Lord and was coming. At this time, he met a person. Let us see, verse 17. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedorlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. That's it. Three verses about Melchizedek in the entire Old Covenant. But now, Holy Spirit God is bringing this account that there was one who was introduced to you even before the law was given to you. There was a person whom I have brought into Abraham's life. And there is much importance for this person in the scripture. That is what the Holy Spirit God is explaining the Jews, the Hebrews who were scattered and who are hanging on between the decision to take faith and come to the Lord. Let us come back to Hebrews chapter 7. So after mentioning three times that Christ Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek and not from the order of Aaron, here Spirit God is explaining why and how. Chapter 7 verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. I will read till verse 3 and then we will come back to verse 1. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the son of God, he remains a priest forever. So these three verses 
there are five qualities which the author is explaining to the Jews in contrast with Aaronic priesthood. Aaron was a priest only for the nation of Israel. Whenever Aaron offers gifts and sacrifices, he cannot or he is not supposed to offer them for anybody outside the nation of Israel. Any of the Gentiles outside the nation of Israel. He is to strictly be limited to the nation of Israel. His priesthood is limited. Whereas Melchizedek was a priest of El Elyon, which means God Most High, who is the ruler of every nation, this Melchizedek's priesthood is not limited, wherein he is the priest of the God Most High, who rules all the nations. That's why, in the Old Testament, when the nation of Israel talks about God, they use the word Jehovah. Jehovah is the word which came from the word Yahweh, where there are no wells in that one, only consonants were there, but they took the words from the Adonai and fit it in the word YWHW and made it as Yehovah. The word says, Yehovah's portion is Israel and El Elyon's deals with all the nations. Aaron's priesthood is limited to the nation of Israel, wherein Melchizedek's priesthood is universal and he is the priest of God most high, El Elyon, who rules all the nation. That was first comparison between the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek's priesthood. Number two, Melchizedek was a king, but whereas Aaron was subject to a king. No king in the nation of Israel can ever be a priest, can ever bring sacrifices to God. When Uzziah tried that one, he became leper. So it was not allowed for anyone other than Aaronic descendants or other than Levites to become a priest of God Most High. So their priesthood is specific to a tribe and they, there was never a king who can become a priest. Whereas this Melchizedek, who is a priest of God Most High, he is also a king. He is a king priest. That is the second comparison between the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood. Thirdly, verse 2, and Abraham gave him tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. The very name Melchizedek means he is the king of righteousness. And the place from where he came is Salem, which means he is the king of peace. Aaron's priesthood could never bring righteousness and peace to any one of the nations, any one of the people of the nation of Israel. Every time they brought in the sacrifice into the tabernacle, they came with a guilt in them. And they went out, they did not receive any righteousness by that offering. It's only, it was only a covering for the sins which were already committed by them. And then, again, after immediately after they committed another thing, they had to run back with another dove or lamb or pigeon or anything. That was the limitation of the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron could never bring the righteousness of God unto the nation of Israel or the peace of God unto the nation of Israel. Whereas Melchizedek is the king of righteousness and he is the king of peace. Jesus Christ, who is from the order of Melchizedek, is the one who imputed righteousness to everyone who comes to him by faith and also 
whoever comes to the Lord receives reconciliation, which is peace with God and peace from God. This is the third contrast or comparison between the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedekian priesthood. That Aaronic priesthood could never bring the righteousness and peace wherein Christ Jesus brought in eternal righteousness, imputed righteousness and peace with God. Fourthly, the fourth contrast is without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains priest forever. In this verse, there are two. The fourth one, which is, when, Mel- when God introduced Melchizedek in the scripture, God did not say, Melchizedek is son of so and so, son of so and so, son of so and so. Now he came to Abraham and blessed him. No. Out of nowhere, when these four kings and five kings were fighting and Abraham was returning, out of nowhere, Melchizedek popped up there. And then Abraham paid tithes to him and Melchizedek blessed him. So there was no introduction of any genealogy for Melchizedek. And also after verse 20 in Genesis 14 when we read, immediately after that there was no mention of Melchizedek anywhere in the scripture. God put him as if he is eternally existing. So as to give an example, so as to show a picture of his son Jesus Christ who is coming in the later days. That there is no beginning, there is no end. There is no mother and father which is mentioned in the scripture who is a type of Christ, is Melchizedek. Now this is who is Christ Jesus in the order of Melchizedek. Whereas Aaron, who was chosen as, as a high priest and after him, whoever came as a high priest has to be a descendant of Aaron. And every other priest has to be a descendant of the tribe of Levi. So they are having a genealogy and their priesthood is dependent on the hereditary heirship or hereditary ancestral heirship. But whereas Christ Jesus who was from the order of Melchizedek was from eternity. Because of his nature, because of his person, God ordained him as a high priest. And also, the last part of that verse, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. So just resembling the Son of God, that's how Melchizedek was introduced in the scripture, resembling Son of God. So when Melchizedek was there, already Christ Jesus was there in eternity. That's why the scripture is saying he resembles somebody who is Christ Jesus. Like Son of God, he was there as a type of Christ and he was there forever. Aaron's priesthood is limited by death. After his death, another priest. Another priest after his death. Priest after priest, priest after priest. When people die, when the Levitical, when Levites die, another priest used to take place of their priesthood. So death is hindering their office in the tabernacle. Whereas Melchizedek, who lives forever, in whose order Christ Jesus came, lives forever. That was the fifth contrast or fifth comparison between Aaronic priesthood and Melchizedek. That is the reason why Christ did not come in the order of Aaron. He has to come in a different order, which is another order whom whom God has introduced even before law was given and even before even the Levi was even born. When Abraham was in his early days, at that time itself, God introduced Melchizedek and then came the law. 
Now you Jews, you Hebrews, don't get locked up in the law wherein I have told you that you need to have a priest of the order of Aaron, but I am going to give you a priest of the order of Melchizedek. And this prophecy was given to the Israelites in their own Old Testament prophecies through Jeremiah and through David and in the Psalms. So verse 4, let us go to verse 4. So after comparing these five qualities of Aaronic priesthood to Melchizedek and priesthood, now the author moves on to exalt the nature of the Christ Jesus, who is from the order of Melchizedek. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now, a law, the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Already Abraham is having the promises, yet there was someone greater than Abraham who blessed Abraham. And also, he collected the tenth, which the law, when it was introduced, only was given to Levites to collect tenth from the remaining eleven tribes of Israel. But God is saying, I have already ordained the collection of this tenth way before even I gave you the law. And without doubt, verse 7 I am reading, without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. Abraham is lesser and Melchizedek is greater because he blessed Abraham. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Just now we read, there is no genealogy, there is no beginning, there is no end for Melchizedek. The law which came later gave opportunity for the Levites to collect the tenth, but they were all dying. The people, the priests who are dying they are actually collecting the tenth from the brothers. But here the Lord is saying, in the other case, uh, I, have, I have given the privilege to collect the tenth by the one whom I declared to be living forever. That is Melchizedek. Verse 9, one might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth to, through Abraham. Now, here the author is saying that Abraham, your forefather, the patriarch, I actually paid the tenth to Melchizedek, wherein at that time, the Levi who is going to come in the later generations is already in his loins. So if I tell you that Abraham himself is inferior or himself has paid tenth to Melchizedek, automatically everyone who comes after Abraham from his loins has already paid to the greater one. So your entire Levitical priesthood, entire Aaronic priesthood is subject to another greater high priest whom I have ordained way before even Levi was born. That is what the Spirit is saying here. One might even say that Levi who collects the tenth paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. There ends all the argument for the Jews not to come to the Lord. The Holy Spirit God sequentially explaining, taking much space in the scripture. If we put our feet in the shoes of Jews, we will be able to understand it more clearly. This, especially the book of Hebrews. But Lord will give us grace to understand. Verse 11. 
now he goes on to say now why how melchizedek is greater than aaron aaron and aaronic priesthood he explained in verse 1 to 10 and now he is telling why there is a reason for that one if perfection could have been attained through the levitical priesthood for on the basis of it the law was given to the people why was there still need for another priest to come one in the order of melchizedek not in the order of aaron so here holy spirit god is questioning the jews if perfection can be attained through your levitical priesthood is there any reason or is there any need for another priest to come it is a question being asked to the hebrews which means the word perfection means access to god on a permanent basis every time aaron comes there he brings in a sacrifice covers the sin of the people of israel and he goes back and again next day another one comes say i sinned which means the first sacrifice what he did could not give him access to god it was only a covering for the sin on a temporary basis it was only a kerchief which was put on the sin for the wrath of god not to see that one and to destroy that person who sinned so if you were levitical priesthood if we that could have given access to god the father why is there a need for another priest to come answer is no which means the levitical priest could never bring access to god for any of the person who is bringing sacrifice day in and day out that's the reason there is a need for another priesthood from another order who needs to come who can bring perfection which is access to god verse 12 chapter 7 verse 12 for when there is a change of priesthood there must also be a change of law he of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe and no one from the tribe has ever served at the altar he is talking about christ jesus so when i am saying christ jesus who is from the order of melchizedek he is not from the aaronic tribe at all which means i am changing your complete order i am bringing up my son who is from the tribe of judah now my i am changing the priesthood automatically your entire law also will now is now going to be changed for it is clear that our law descended from judah and in regard to that tribe moses said nothing about priests quite clear and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like melchizedek appears now if we are saying all these things and now if you see another priest in the order of melchizedek comes it is so clear that there is a change in priesthood and there is a change in the law if another priest like melchizedek appears one who has become a priest not on the basis of the regulation as to his ancestry but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life just like how melchizedek was declared to be living forever because of his nature which means the eternal life of jesus christ that's why he is ordained as a high priest based on his power of eternity he is a high priest not because he descended from any human being or aaron or a levi because that comes as a hereditary aaron sons became priests because they were sons of aaron not because of their own personality when eli died his two sons who are corrupt will become priests even though they are not capable or not qualified to be priest automatically the priesthood went to them even though they are corrupt the reason being it was a law there is no other than aaron's sons that can be priest 
in that order when Eli came, Eli's two sons also will become a priest. That's why the Lord is saying here that Christ Jesus, because of his nature of a eternal life, now I ordained him as a high priest, not because of any ancestry from whom he came. That's why there is a change in the priesthood. There is a change in the law. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Again, fourth time, Holy Spirit God is mentioning that Christ Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek. Remember, there are only three verses in the entire scripture about Melchizedek. And then after a thousand years, David prophesied that the Lord has sworn by himself that he will bring a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And after another thousand years, Holy Spirit God is saying through one of his servants that Christ Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek. The Lord has given that much importance to Melchizedek which because he has promised with an oath to Abraham that he is going to bring his son. And whenever there is a Christ Jesus, there is an oath attached to the promise. That's why it is two unchangeable things. It's not just one. A promise and an oath. Two immutable things. We will see that one. Verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. The regulation which Aaron was following is weak and beggarly because he could not make anything perfect. It was only to cover the sins with a sacrifice so that the Lord's wrath is not on the person who committed the sin. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. The perfection which the Lord is talking, if that couldn't, that could not be achieved by Levitical priesthood, but when Christ Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek, now perfection was achieved, which means now we can draw near to God. That is the goal of entire priesthood. Why was the law given? If you see in verse 11, there in the brackets, it was there. For on the basis of it, the law was given to the people. It was given in the parenthesis because the purpose of God for giving this entire priesthood is for the man to come towards the God. But there is no access because of their sin and because of even the priests were sinful. It was only temporary law. But in future, because the Lord is going to bring Christ Jesus, the Lord has given a law for them because at that time, when the times are fulfilled, God could give them access through His Son, Jesus Christ, to Himself. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, which means the law could not give access to God, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. That is the whole purpose of this priesthood. Now verse 20. Here comes why Holy Spirit God introduced chapter 6 verse 13 to 20 where he confirmed about the oath given to Abraham. Here verse 20 says, And it was not without an oath. This promise that Christ Jesus will come in the order of Melchizedek is also just not a promise. Just like how you received a promise through Abraham that his offspring will, through his offspring many nations will be blessed. Similarly, His priesthood also I am giving as a promise also confirmed by an oath because it is my son. Whenever my son is there, I will double confirm it. I will not just leave it as a promise. 
and it was not without an oath others became priests without an oath but he Christ Jesus became a priest with an oath when God said to him the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind you are a priest forever this is what david prophesied and because of this oath jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant because there is an oath because there is a promise and an oath christ jesus has become a guarantee because now i am rest assured because my god has promised and confirmed with an oath that christ jesus will be my priest forever and i come through faith to the lord because the lord is saying you can be rest assured he is a guarantee you don't need to worry that something will stop your salvation because christ jesus has become a guarantee for a better covenant which is eternal covenant now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing off in office we know that aaronic priesthood could not continue for a single person forever because every person who has become a priest has to die one day after Aaron become 80 or 90 years old he died another priest came he died another priest came he died death prevents men this is the same with us today we have many teachers many elders many pastors the times change many people move here and there but who lives forever and consistently for us it is Christ Jesus who went through the heavenly and seated at the right hand of god god is wanting god is asking us to understand the purpose of giving his son jesus christ as a priest now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office but because jesus lives forever he has permanent priesthood which means his priesthood will never stop there is no change in the persons it is christ jesus who is going to be the priest for us for eternity and i can be rest assured because i am guaranteed by the oath god the father has given on this promise therefore because he lives forever therefore he is able to save completely those who come to god through him because he always lives to intercede for them if somebody goes to aaron aaron could pray for them and after that aaron dies and there is no other person there is aaron could not continuously pray for that person intercede for that person so he could not he is not able even though he has a desire to save all his people of israel aaron could not do it because he is unable whereas god is saying my son christ is able because he lives forever therefore he is able to save completely those who come to god through him because he always lives to intercede for them who come to god through faith verse 26 such a high priest such a high priest meets our need your need my need such a high priest one who is holy one who is blameless one who is set apart from sinners exalted above the heavens unlike the high other high priest he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day 
first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So we know that when Aaron has to offer the sacrifice, he needs to offer the sacrifice first for himself because he himself is a sinner. And then, only then he is eligible to even enter into the most holy place after he has given the sacrifice. And that too, for a very specific time, only once a year, for a small moment, he needs to offer the sacrifices for all the people of Israel and the tabernacle and then run away from the most holy place. If he stays long... When the clouds move away from him, God's wrath is going to kill him. So it was ordained for him that he has to stay very few moments, only once a year, then run out from the tabernacle. But God is saying, he did not go through a man-made sanctuary to offer sins, offer sacrifices for his sins, but rather he went through the heavens by offering one sacrifice once for all. Do you see how many people are still in this world depending on bridge builders? The Lord is saying there is only one bridge builder, the greatest high priest, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak. The law which was given by the Lord himself offer, uh, appoints as high priest whom? The men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law, appoints whom? The one, the son who has been made perfect forever, who gave the access forever to us. Shall we all arise? Chapter 4, again, let us open the Bibles to chapter 4, where we started. Verse 14, therefore, there is a word called therefore. Since we have great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we This is a call for you and me. Because Jesus already entered the heavenlies and is seated at the right hand of God, let us hold our faith. Let us not be shaken in our faith. The call is for you and me. Let us hold our faith. We have an assurance that Jesus is a guarantee for the eternal promise which he has given. Because the Father confirmed it by an oath. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We are all weak because we are still in this flesh. Jesus, because he also undergone all through these situations, because he became as a man like you and me, he can sympathize with you and me. I don't know what you are undergoing. The reason being, I am one like you. And everyone who stands here and teaches the word of God is one like you. I don't understand what is going in your life. 
the burden you have the stress you have and sin is behind you on the side of you in the front of you in crushing you i don't see even see that one and you even don't see what the people or what the elders and the pastors are going through but we all have one high priest who can sympathize with you and me because he underwent every situation the situation which i did not go through which you are going through which you are going through which i did not go through because of my circumstances the high priest christ jesus already went through of them and he knows it in and out and then he says i am without sin i have that power i have the ability to bring you out from that sin let us close our eyes now commit your lives to the lord think about those situations i just spoke about those situations where you are in which i don't know but your lord knows your own god who has created you your own creator your own high priest who is now seated at the heavenlies he knows your weaknesses and he can sympathize with you because he already went through every temptation he he went to the end of the temptation yet he came out victorious and now he is saying i am able to bring you also out of that sin out of that trouble out of the trail because i underwent that one my beloved brother and sister and my child talk to god let us not be emotional this is not a place where we can be emotional but be truthful and sincere to the lord the lord is calling each one of his children across the world that i am there seated at the right hand of the father interceding for you which means he is actually forgiving everything you are committing do you know that out of your many weaknesses day in and day out while while ignorantly or knowingly when you commit a sin the lord is saying forgive my child because he has done it ignorantly or knowingly and came back to me by asking repentance that's the high priest you and me have such a high priest who is holy who is blameless who entered into the heavenlies who is seated at the right hand is there for you and me and if you have not given your life to the lord i'm telling you the judgment is there this is not for everyone the high priest intercession is not for everyone it is only for those who obey and come to him by faith so if you still are loving sin in this world and you are coming to church regularly day in and day out the lord is saying you are not in my intercession prayer i am sorry the reason being my covenant is only for those who come through faith do you know the promise what was given to abraham you will have many descendants those descendants are not actually the physical descendants the lord was talking about paul confirms it in romans that those who are by faith are the descendants of abraham so in the nation of israel who are of faith and out of the gentiles who are of the faith we all become those heirs of salvation so faith is mandatory without faith it is impossible to please the lord here you are my beloved children of god come to the lord with sincere hearts because the lord is there for you your parents who brought you up might not be there forever for you 
one day will come where they will pass on to the eternity you will grow up you will get married your husband or your wife will pass on to eternity your children you will spend time with them they grow up they pass on to the new heights or new life with their partners so who is there with you permanently in all your life you work with people they change places they move out you interact with many people they move out there is one who is there forever that is christ jesus who is seated at the right hand of god interceding for you and me day in and day out when satan accuses you and me the lord is saying i'm going to forgive you satan my blood has already forgiven them past present and future because they came with genuine faith but beloved there is no genuine faith you are under judgment i am under judgment if i don't have genuine faith so cry out unto the lord whatever is there in your heart today that heavy burden any trial any temptation the lord is saying i have already gone through my beloved i am there come to me draw near to me that was that is the purpose to to make men draw towards him so even as you are standing i request the choir to help us in the worship song draw me close to you continue to submit your life to the lord praise thank you jesus Draw me close to you Never let me go
Father, we thank you, Lord. For through you, Lord, we can come near you. Father, thank you for giving your son, Jesus Christ, as a great high priest for us, who is interceding for us day in and day out, Lord. Lord, when we commit sins against you, knowingly or unknowingly, Lord, you are there in the heavenlies every second, Lord, forgiving us. And Lord, you are asking us to come out of sin. Because you are able, Lord, you are able that we will be able to be victorious over the sin. Lord, give us power to be overcomers in this earth, Lord. Lord, give us your power over sin. Because you were yet without sin when you underwent all that we underwent, Lord. And now you have given us In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Kindly be seated. Now Jesus Christ our Lord is not only the high priest for us, but He is also the Lord of our lives. Which means He is a king. We have read in chapter 7 verse 1 that Melchizedek was a king. He is the king of Salem. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of peace. So the Lord, when he gave the promise to Abraham that he is going to bring his offspring, through his offspring many nations will be blessed. And then when the Lord gave a promise and oath, when he said about Melchizedek, the Lord gave one more promise to David about his son Jesus Christ. Let us see that promise. Let us turn our Bibles to Psalms chapter 132. Psalms 132, verse 10 onwards I read, till 12. For the sake of David your servant, do not reject your anointed one. Verse 11, the Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and the statutes I teach them, then their sons will sit on your throne forever and ever. Here again, the Lord is giving another promise to David. Just like how the Lord has given a promise to Abraham that he is going to have many descendants and then through those descendants he is going to bring his offspring which is the purpose for which he has given the first promise that Abraham is going to have many descendants. Similarly, now the Lord has promised to David that David you will be having many more descendants on your throne. But again that is not the period, that is not the full stop. There is a comma there. Because I want to bring my son through your lineage to be a king forever. I have given you a promise. But because my son Jesus Christ is there, I will confirm it by a oath. Again, by two immutable, unchangeable things, we, as the heirs of what is going to be, what is promised, must 
might have great encouragement. That's why the Lord confirmed the promise which he has given to David also with an oath. What is the verse 11 saying? The Lord swore an oath to David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. So is he talking about Solomon and his descendants? No, he is talking about Christ Jesus. How do we know? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 25 onward I read. Acts chapter 2, verse 25. David said about him, David said about Jesus Christ, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. David is talking about Jesus Christ here. And then, verse 29, Brothers, Here Peter is talking now. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch means our first father. Patri means father, ark means first. So the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. He is not speaking about himself. We all know that he is not the one who is going to live forever. But he was a prophet and knew God had promised him on oath. Which verse is he referring to? Peter is referring to the same verse which we have just read. Psalms 132 verse 11. But he was prophet and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. So David also knew that the Lord has promised that one of his descendants is going to come and that descendant is the one who is never going to decay. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of Christ. David knew that his promises are not for him alone. Through those promises, the Lord is actually bringing his son Jesus Christ for his eternal purpose. That's the reason in the beginning of our study I went there and I have shown you that brick. If I see that brick alone there, I don't understand the purpose, eternal purpose of the Lord. When I come here and see that brick's part and purpose in this design, Now I know why those promises are made. That is the dispensation of the Lord. Every dispensation we understand only when we move backwards and see it through the Holy Spirit God's guidance and His understanding. So David was not speaking about his descendants. Abraham was not speaking about his descendants. The one who comes after his descendants is the one who was promised and was confirmed by an oath. The one who is coming after David's descendants is the one who is going to come as a king now. Because David is a king. So the next promise is for a king to come. The first one was the priest. He is the priest after the order of Melchizedek and I was sworn. But now this is a king. So Melchizedek is a king priest. And there is a blend. Now we will see this beautiful blending of a king priest in the book of Zechariah. Let us all turn to book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, we 
before we start let me make you all understand the perspective and the context in which this prophecy is made as you know when israel was captured by babylon by nebuchadnezzar many of the jewish people israelites were taken captive and they spent 70 years of captivity in babylon after that when cyrus gave a decree to go back and build your temple they all started to come back as exiles to back to the judah and jerusalem so at that time when ezra was there as a prophet zerubbabel and joshua the high priest were chosen to build the temple so when everything is going smooth and zerubbabel and joshua were building the temple what happened was there were some people who was who were jealous of what they are doing seeing the temple of the lord being built and then they conspired against zerubbabel and joshua and all the people of israel and they said we are also worshiping your lord for many for long time can you make us part of your team so that we also will join you then zerubbabel said no this is only for the nation of israel we are the ones who are supposed to build a temple to the lord you can't be part of this group and what did they do they went and conspired against these people and rehum and shimshai the two of those people they went and complained against this construction to the king artaxerxes who was ruling a persian king who is ruling the entire known empire at that time what did they do they told this king that do you know o king these guys are building a temple in the city where it has a reputation that the city is a rebellious city if they build this city and this will this temple all the taxes will come back to this one and you will be bankrupt just go and check the books the old books wherein it is written that the city is a wicked one the moment they conspired and sent this letter after this actually went through and saw that this it was written that jerusalem was a city of rebellion because all the kings who reigned in jerusalem were actually taking the taxes to themselves because the nation of israel was a rule on its own so artaxerxes sent back a letter to rehum and shimshai saying that yes what you said is right let them not build the temple and these guys taking that authority and taking that scroll and came to zerubbabel and they forced them to stop at that time the lord has chosen prophets haggai and zechariah and sent them to zerubbabel and joshua the high priest to encourage them so when they came and encouraged zerubbabel and joshua they actually started to build the temple and then another governor came and how are you building a temple without an official letter so at that time a governor called tetanai sent another letter to the new king who was darius saying that king darius can you please look at the actual scrolls wherein the king cyrus himself has given us an opportunity to build this temple and then darius actually went to that scrolls or that books historical books and saw that it was actually given by cyrus to build the temple and then he gave that letter back to tetanai and then the temple was rebuilt so during this period when there is a there is a friction it is the lord by his spirit enabled zerubbabel to build the temple that is what we, we actually see in the prophets haggai and zechariah so this is when they were down they were, when they stopped the construction of the temple at that time god encouraged zerubbabel and joshua the high priest to build the temple but that is only 
again only one aspect of that one the physical building of the temple is only one aspect the lord actually superimposed an eternal promise an eternal prophecy over that prophecy of building the temple because that temple which zerubbabel built was actually destroyed in 70 ad but the lord wanted that temple until only until he comes to this earth as a man and when he died and he was resurrected there is no need of the temple just as we read the priesthood is gone the temple was destroyed in 70 ad but that prophecy when he gave to zerubbabel he superimposed with another prophecy i will show you that let us go to zechariah chapter 4 verse 1 onwards i read then the angel who talked with me returned and walked and wakened me as a man is wakened from his sleep he asked me what do you see I answered I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights also there are two olive trees by it one on the right and one on the of the bowl and one on the one on its left I asked the angel who talked with me what are these my lord the angel answered do you not know what these are no my lord I replied verse 6 so the angel said to me this is the word of the lord to zerubbabel not by might nor by power it is but by by spirit says the lord almighty what are you o mighty mountain before zerubbabel you will become a level ground so the lord is saying that the situation where zerubbabel and joshua the high priest are in when all the enemies were actually making them down and downcast the lord is saying by my spirit i will enable you to build back the temple but not only that here the superimposed prophecy is that then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of god bless it god bless it when the lord is saying about a cornerstone which is laid for the built foundation of the temple the lord is saying that i am going to bring my son jesus as the capstone for the eternal temple which i am going to build that's the capstone god bless it god bless it which is god bless jesus christ god bless jesus christ not only that here we need to see the prophecy of daniel when he prophesied that nebuchadnezzar's vision of the metals like gold silver bronze iron and the clay at that time and the nations go down in the value and increase in their strength at that time jesus christ will return and then the rock will fall on the feet and it will become like a shaft and the kingdom of god will grow like a mighty mountain so you see gold silver bronze iron clay when the lord has actually struck on the clay there is a growing up of the kingdom of the lord which means a reverse order has to happen the lord is going to reverse everything that the demons has done that the demonic kingdom has done which means there should be a reversal from clay to iron to bronze to silver to gold let us see now verse 8 then the word of the lord came to me the hands of zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple the hands will also complete it then you will know that the lord almighty has sent me to you the zerubbabel who is a type of christ when in haggai last verse says i will make zerubbabel as my signet ring the lord god is father is not talking about man zerubbabel there he is only a type of christ i am going to make my son christ as my signet ring he is the one who is going to have the authority and he is the one who is the capstone verse 10 who despises the day of small things men will rejoice when they see the 
plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. If, you, if there are any civil engineers, you will know a plumb line is a metal round thing which is used to measure the measurements when they start a construction. So, the clay, the capstone, and now the iron, the reversal is happening. I am going to bring my son, when you see it in the hands of Zerubbabel, which means the things will now change, and then I am going to bring my kingdom upon this earth. Then I asked the angel, verse 11, what are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And I, again I asked him, what are these two olive branches beside the two gold pipes that pour out golden oil? He replied, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I said. Then so he said, these are the two who are anointed to serve the Lord of the, all the earth. The question what Zechariah asked the angel is about the two olive trees. Now, the angel is saying, these two are the Lord's anointed ones who are going to serve the Lord in the coming days. These two are the prophets that are going to come during the time of the wrath of God, which we are studying in the Revelation. So, let's keep it, we will study it separately. Now, come back to chapter 6. I looked up again, and there before me were four chariots coming out between the two mountains. So, Zechariah is seeing a vision wherein he is seeing four chariots coming from between two mountains and the Lord is suddenly saying, these mountains are not the stone mountains. Any mountain, how, how does it look for you and me? It has to be a stone. It has to be stone and clay. The Lord is saying, these two mountains are bronze mountains. There is an introduction of a metal there, suddenly by the Lord in the prophecy, I looked up again and there before me were four chariots coming out from between two mountains, mountains of bronze. And these, the first chariot had red horses, second black and third white and the four dappled. These four are the four spirits of the Lord that went throughout the four corners of the earth. And this is what the Lord is actually reversing when he is building his kingdom from clay to iron to now bronze. Which means the sequence of the events that are going to happen all through these years and when during the tribulation that the Lord is going to send his four spirits throughout the whole earth and he is going to accomplish his purpose. The two olive trees who are, who are mentioned here are the ones who are going to come upon this earth and who are going to bring judgment upon the people who are inhabiting this earth during the time of tribulation or during the time of the revelation. So these are the four spirits the Lord is saying and the one who went to north has brought solace to my soul. Now, come to verse 9. Now, carefully observe this verses 9. The word of the Lord came to me. Take silver and gold. The clay, the iron, the bronze, the reversal now. The Lord is saying to Zechariah, take silver and gold. From the exiles, Heldai, Tobijah and Jedediah, who have arrived from Babylon, go the same day to the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and gold and make a crown. There is only one crown. The Lord is asking to make that crown with two metals together. Silver and gold has to be mixed to make one single crown. And set it on the head of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Tell him, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch. 
showing to Joshua, looking at Joshua, the Lord has asked Zechariah to say that here is the branch, capital B. So he is the type of Christ, the Rubabel, how he is a type of Christ with his kingship because the Rubabel comes from the lineage of David. Similarly, Joshua, the high priest, comes from the lineage of Aaron. So here is a man, he is the branch. Now see, here is the man whose name is the branch and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. He will branch out from his place and he will build the temple of the Lord. The Lord is not talking about the physical temple which Zerubbabel and Joshua are building at that time. On top of it, the Lord is saying about the eternal temple which Christ Jesus is going to build. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty. Do you see that? It is not Joshua who will be clothed with majesty. It is not Zerubbabel who is going to be clothed with majesty. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, the branch, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne. Do you see that? He will sit on his throne to rule and he will sit on the throne to be a priest. A king and a priest together. That's why Zechariah was told to mix the silver and gold. When the Lord's kingdom is going to come in the future days, when the Lord is going to reverse everything that has happened to this earth on the satanic side, the Lord is going to build his kingdom and he himself will be the king and the priest forever. That's why he was from the order of Melchizedek who was a king of Salem and he is the priest of God Most High. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne and he will be a priest on his throne and there will be harmony between the two, the priesthood and the kingship. There will be harmony, which means only one is going to be both the king and the priest. The silver and gold are now mixed. And only Jerubbabel and Joshua were shown as a type of Christ there because a prophecy was given to them to build the physical temple at the time of captivity. But the Lord is saying, when I gave this prophecy, I confirmed it by an oath to my servant David that I am going to bring a king at the end of his lineage who will be the true king who is going to bring God's rule to you and who is going to be a priest to bring men to God. Such a high priest, such a king is yours and my Jesus Christ. Shall we all arise? Let us close our eyes for a small prayer. Now, In the first session, we have spoken about Christ Jesus being your high priest, sitting and interceding for everything that we commit here. He forgives us for each and every iniquity, every sin, and is inviting us to take his power to be victorious because he was yet without sin. But again, the Lord is saying, I want to rule and reign over your life. Would you make me your Lord? Would would you make me the Lord of your life is the question the Lord is asking you and me. I am not only the high priest who is interceding for you. I am the one who wants to rule and reign your life, your individual life.
is Christ Jesus, your Lord. I am not asking this as just a statement, just because I am here, I am not telling you. When I said, is the Christ Jesus your Lord, when I asked you, it means that he needs to be the head of everything and every part of your life. Do you come to the throne of grace and submit that, Lord, everything that happens in my life should be according to your purpose? That's the desire you need to have in your life. And that is when you can say, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord. When we professed our faith, when we were born again, what did we do? We said that, Lord, I agree that you died for my sins and I now, I confess that you are my Lord. You are my King. But is it only for a word sake or is he really your and my Lord? The Lord is saying, I want to rule, just submit yourself to me. That's the King and the High Priest for you and me, Lord Jesus Christ. There is none like Him, beloved. He already went through the heavenlies because of one sacrifice. All the sins committed, eternity, past to eternity, future by you and me, were already laid, laid on Him. and He bore them. And with one sacrifice, He forgave them all. Now you and me can boldly come to His presence. We don't need to depend on any man. Nobody. Today I am here. Tomorrow another brother will come here. But the one who is living forever is your Christ Jesus. He's your own Lord. He's your own High Priest. And He lives forever. Men die. Men pass away. Things change. But there is one who lives forever, Christ Jesus. And one who, is, who wants to rule your life now and later he is going to re- rule eternally and physically on this earth for a thousand years and then rule forever in eternity. Such a king and high priest is yours and mine. And he is clothed with majesty. Let us worship this king who is clothed with majesty. I request a choir to help us in worshipping a Lord with a song, The Splendor of a King. Continue to exalt your King, who not only is the High Priest, but also who is the ruler and Lord over your lives. And He is returning soon. The prophecy which was given to Zerubbabel and Joshua through Zechariah is going to be fulfilled very soon. The Lord is going to sit and rule on the throne of David. The promise that was confirmed by oath. The king.
and lord you are going to come and rule and reign on this earth and lord you are going to rule eternity lord all who come to you through faith lord it's a privilege and honor for us to be your children lord bless everyone who are here lord let no one miss out that lord the privilege of being your child lord lord grant salvation to every ear that has heard your word today lord and lord help them to continue in your grace and your power being victorious over the sin and being holy like how you are holy lord grant this grace to us lord in jesus name we pray i request one of the elders or pastor to come and pray for tomorrow's service and then close it in prayer let us close our eyes and look unto the lord hallelujah praise the lord we bless god for a great time this morning let's appreciate him let's bless him somebody bless god for the word bless him for the word Lord, we thank you. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus Christ. We have celebrated the priesthood and the lordship of Christ in this service. I pray that it shall be evident in our lives. With proofs in the name of Jesus in one word, let's speak a word concerning this morning's service. It's going to be our last Friday worship service this month. Lord, give everyone an encounter by your word, by your power, by your grace. Release a word concerning this morning's service. Jesus, appear to everyone that comes by your word, by yourself. Appear to everyone that comes by your word by yourself in the name of jesus christ lord cause everyone that comes into the service later this morning to see your glory to see your power lord take us forward in our walk with you take us deeper in our walk with you in the name of jesus christ we have prayed in the name of Jesus. Also a word concerning the month ahead. Lord, let this month of April move me forward. Take me forward. Spiritually and in every other area of my life. Are you making that declaration? Lord, as I look forward to the month of April. Cause it to move me forward. Spiritually and in every area of my life. Let it be a month with a difference. In this church, in every area of our lives, Lord, let the month of April be a month with a difference. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, one of the scriptures that we read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, said, Jesus ever liveth to make intercession. <laughs> that means Jesus is ever praying for you and me. Amen? That means, as Jesus prays, we are strengthened. That's why we need to be in church all the time, because the blood of sprinkling reaches you. The prayer of the saints, the prayer of Jesus over us, comes alive. Amen? Jesus, 
I am on your prayer altar. Remember me tonight. Let my name come up for a memorial. Is somebody making that declaration? Jesus, I'm on your prayer altar. Let my name come up for a memorial. Come up for a memorial. Let, oh God, my desires come up for a memorial. I know I am on your prayer altar. I know you ever make it intercession for me as you live. Let my name, let all that concerns me come up for a memorial before you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. He said, Who are thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. He said, You shall be. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, You shall be made plain. But then, if you read that scripture further, it talks about grace, grace, grace unto her. Grace unto her. Grace unto her. I'd like you to take grace for the remaining part of this year. Lord, for this year, whatever remains in this year, grace to go through, grace to excel, grace to make it, grace to walk in holiness, grace to walk in righteousness, grace to fulfill all that you have for me this year. I receive it today. Grace to live a lifestyle of holiness. Grace to accomplish all things in your name. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for appearing to us by your word in this service. In the name of Jesus. For your son that you have used, we ask, O oh God, for a replenishing of your grace and glory upon his life. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will further take him deeper into the knowledge of your word. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that your light, your glory shall be evident in his life and family in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that in the days ahead, you will use him much more for your glory in this land. In the name of Jesus. For everyone that has been part of this service, I decree your blessings shall last in the name of Jesus. I declare that whatever remains as a desire for you this month of March, receive it in the name of Jesus. And as we appear before the Lord later this morning, you will have a testimony in your mouth. Good news on your way coming. In the name of Jesus. As we look forward to the new month, it shall be a month of testimonies. As we look forward to the days ahead in this year, it shall be seasons of refreshing and fruitfulness for everyone. In the name of Jesus, go in peace, return with testimonies. You are blessed beyond the cause. So shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's share the grace in fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. If surely His goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Holiness and peace. God bless you. See you later. 
today. Amen.